as advertised, you get stuck with me this morning. <laughs> and me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, after Captain Buzzkill gets up here and <laughs> sends everybody home in tears. <laughs> oh, mercy. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much for everything you provide for us. We just ask now, you know, as we we just, you know, take a take a look at your into your scriptures, into your words. And Father, just help us. Just help me. <laughs> amen and amen. <laughs> so as like I said, as advertised, <laughs> the uh the subject of sovereignty. We've been on that the last Two weeks. This this is the third week. I don't think it's going to go any farther than this, <laughs> especially after this message. I just love doing this because Josh is sitting there. Oh God! Oh God! Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm my name is Brant. I'm just one of the elders here. Um, I'm not totally responsible for this outfit, just partially. But we've been on the subject of sovereignty, you know, and it's something that's been kind of on my mind, and it's probably my fault we got into this series, uh, you know, because how many, how many weeks, you know, were we talking about the kingdom of God, and I, I don't know, you know, how we, can, how we can talk about the kingdom of God without talking about the king, and, and understanding, you know, who he is, who we are, and, and, and whatnot, and you know, as, as I know it's been said uh, in the last couple of weeks, you know, that the three of us, you know, may have a little different take on this. You know, and it's, it's, not, a, it's not an easy subject. It's not an easy thing that you just go, oh, yeah, and it says right here, Jesus, you know, God is sovereign. Oh, okay, and bloop, bloop. You know, it's, it's an understanding, I think. I mean, I think it's pretty clear in Scripture, you know, but it's not one of those things that's easily nailed down to, to talk about because. You know, it's just like one of those things where we can't grasp the whole thing at one time. You know, we get one piece of it, and we can know it really well, and then something comes along that looks a little different, but it's still a piece of it, and it can sometimes shake us a little bit. And that's not always a bad thing, you know, to be shaken, you know, because it'll either get rid of what's bad and leave, leave what's good behind. But so anyway, so on the subject of sovereignty, and fun fact, just a quick little Google search, you know, there, there's still like 40 plus monarchies on the, on the, the, in the world today, still. I didn't realize it was that many. You know, now these all take all kinds of shapes and forms, you know, and, you know, some, some are inherited, you know, some... You know, some kings and queens get elected. You know, I can't, you know, why would you elect somebody a king or queen, you know? But, you know, it's something, it's something that I think as, as Americans, you know, we, we may or may not really get a hold of, you know, because we're, we're so used to independence talk and, and such. 
you know, <laughs> I put in here, every, you know, everything I learned about sovereignty, I learned from The Crown, you know, the, the Netflix show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, William's going to have probably a few words for me afterwards. Yeah, but then I thought, you know, what about some non-governmental monarchies? And this is, this is just a, this, you can throw this one away as soon as I say it. But the mafia. You know, what about the mafia, man? You know, these, you know, that's a sovereign. You know, there's one boss, and that's it. You know, what about corporations nowadays and CEOs? Burger King. <laughs> sovereign burgers. <laughs> so, you know, and, and then how many, how many of these earthly monarchies and, and such you know, if you when you, you study history or, or whatnot, or, or even today, you know how many of them have to spend the the most of their time and effort in just keeping their power. You, you know, because it's it's kind of, it's a false power. It's not a real power. You know, we can go back and you can talk about the divine right of kings and you know and all that that's kind of faded through history and and whatnot, but. That that's what it takes, you know, when when we wanna when we wanna hold on to our earthly kingdom, you know, it, it just a, an awful lot of energy. So, like I said, you know, do we as Americans really get this this business about sovereignty? Because I, I can tell you, I I get my hackles up real quick, you know, when things threaten my independence, and you know, <laughs> you know that government's not going to do that to me and. And, and you know, it's, instead of you know understanding, you know how how this thing works. So, like I said, we we've talked about talking about the kingdom. Our kingdom has a king. He rules and governs without our consent, but with the consent of his father, and his rule is absolute. I encourage you to go back the last couple of weeks and listen to Josh and Leah's messages. You know, I'm not I'm not going to try to recover anything that they did. You know, these these are just these are my thoughts and do not reflect the opinions of the Vineyard Church of Holly Springs. <laughs> you know, because you you know you hammer this out now. You, you know, you, we take time on these harder subjects to hammer them out, you know, because it's been covered when the, when the hard time comes, it's harder then to hammer this out because then you have your pain screaming in your ear that's louder than anything else and you're trying to grasp it. So take time, open up the scriptures and, and get it in your heart you know, so when that comes, it's, you, you know what's going on. So, now, I'm going to say a dirty word. Theology. <laughs> yeah. And I put right here in my note, hear the groans. I knew what was coming. You know, to engage in theology and doctrine is is not and I'm not 
I'm not saying you drop everything and go off to seminary, you know, but to some degree we've got we've we've got to have some understanding, or or we're you know we're going to veer off somewhere, and like I said, we we're never going to have it all, you know. We we do the best we can, we get the most we can, you know, and then, you know, we we rely on each other. I read an uh, an interesting article this week. Uh, this guy wrote, you know, his, I think he was a pastor, you know, who had, had started as a pastor, kind of got out of it, you know, you know, due to some, some hurts and pains and things, and, and eventually, you know, was healed and, and came back into the ministry, and he, he talked about, you know, the, the biggest mistake he made was, was looking for that one person that was going to disciple him. And his article, I wish I would have kept it. I've gone back and, and looked for it. You know, he said, the church discipled me, you know, because it was that Sunday school teacher that taught me this. You know, it was that one message that taught me this. You know, it was that one pancake breakfast where, where somebody, you know, made a comment and, and taught me this. I mean, and it's, it's us as, as a body, you know, that, that get each other through. So... Here's your here's one of your brandtisms for the day. Theologies are like diets. I may have said this before, I don't know. Theologies are like diets. You're either on a good one or you're on a bad one. We're all on one. So it, it is worth the effort. It's worth every bit of effort, you know, that you can take time, you know, to, to study these things. You know, so, because why, why does all this matter? You know, it, it's, it's being good soil. You know, it's building our house on the rock. You know, when the sun scorches and the storms rage, we will endure. You know, that, that's the bottom line. You know, and, and it's, not, it's not so that we have to sit there every day or in every encounter that we have to start connecting all these intricate dots of theology it's it's there already in a foundation you know i just because of my vocation i can i can tell you what's happening when you turn on that light switch you know from the power plant all the way to that light switch you know most people could care less you just want it you know i i can tell by the our neighborhood facebook page every time the power's out you know, why is this blimping? You know, even if it's just a little, you know, it's flickering again. I'm like, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to do it. Sorry. So I, I just want to offer some thoughts today on how we can live and work this stuff out. Now, I thought the, the best way to do this is, is what is our, what is our church Motto? Is it a motto? Is, is it a creed? Is it? Well, okay. Well, what is it? Whatever it is, whatever it's called, what is it? <laughs> we pursue. His presence and 
and practice his kingdom. Okay, that's the two things, the two lanes I want to try to go down. <laughs> so, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, I've already mentioned, you know, about the monarchs and and democracies and, and such. And, you know, the thought of a, a good sovereign in government is you know, is hogwash to me because we, we're all human. You know, that's why it's, it's just kind of offensive when you think, oh, they're sovereign? Well, they're a person just like me. You know, there, there's really no difference. And, you know, except somebody has bestowed upon them some title, some authority, and, and whatever. So, we don't worship our equals. We don't worship our equals. Are equals. You know, Jesus wasn't accepted in his hometown. You know, when, he, when they saw him, they're like, hey, wasn't that weird little Jesus that's running around here not too long ago? And if you didn't know, Nazareth was in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the proper Nazarene mimic, you know, I can't... <laughs> He wasn't accepted in his hometown. They knew him. You know, they watched this little boy grow up, and it's hard to, to sit there and go, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to worship him? You know, I changed his diapers. And, you know, so... And it, it's another thing. It's just like, you know, when, when one of your coworkers gets promoted, you know, and, and you have to report to them now, and then they start acting all authoritarian and high and mighty. And you're like, wait a minute, buddy. I know where you used to goof off. You know, I, I know you know where to park at the McDonald's so nobody sees your van, you know, when you're stopped for break in the morning. You know, so don't be, you know, don't be coming and telling me how to do things. You know, we, we, get, we, get, a little, we get a little puffy. And, you know, because we're, we're, we're human. And we, we realize, you know, none of us, none of us attain this. None of us are worthy of this. So, I want to start off in Acts 17. And this is not going to be any, any we're going to read, these are going to be some, some, you know, not real long passages, but I don't want to just, you know, pick out stuff. I want to get the, I want to get the, the story of what's going on. So 17, Acts 17, start verse 16. And I, I want you to listen. I want you to listen in this. You know, listen for the sovereignty. You know, listen for the providence. You know, listen for the plan and the story of God in, in this. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some, some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Like y'all are doing right now. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. 
Then they, then they took him and brought him into a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they meant, what they mean. And all the, you know, parentheses, all the uh, Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Facebook! Paul then stood up in the meeting, you know, of the Areopagus, and said, Men of Athens, I see in every way that you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. And I just thought this was brilliant of Paul, you know. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set forth for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. There was a lot in that little message that Paul gave, uh, an extreme amount of stuff that you could spend a long, long time unpacking. You know, I've often had the thought, you know, as you hear things in our, in our culture and, and elsewhere, you know, what, what, happens, what happens to the, to the Jesus we make up? And what happens to the ideas and philosophies, and theologies, you know, that, that we make up on our own. What, what happens to those things when we die? They, they die with us. You know, because they're, they're, they're based on us. And, I mean, they, they may do good, for a little while, or, you know, who, I don't know, you know, but at, in the, at the end, poof, they're gone, because they're not, they're not built on anything eternal and everlasting. So, you know, does God, God share his sovereignty? You know, I, I, I wonder if we don't confuse sometimes 
the authority he gave us with his sovereignty. You know, because he, he has, the scripture is clear on, on in, in instances, you know, the authority that he has given us, you know, to, to minister and to behave and to, and to do, you know, works here on earth. But, but that in no way puts us in the same seat with him. And that, that distinction always has to be there. You know, there are what they call the, you know, the attributes of God. And there are what is called communicable attributes and incommun- incommunicable attributes. And one of the incommunicable ones is that he is worthy to be praised and worshipped and honored. And incommunicable means it cannot transfer. You know, the other one, the communicable, and there's a list of those, his goodness, his holiness, his love. You know, those can be transferred to us, you know, but the, the ones who can't are reserved for him. I want to look, you know, I, I thought it was interesting, you know, this morning is, you know, and some of the, the words given you know, about worship, and, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, just to look real quick, and we're, this one we are just going to, you know, take out these these points, but in Revelation, you know, chapter 4 and 5, you, you know, I just, you know, it talks about how they're worshiping in heaven, and the, you know, the elders and all the beings that are there, and, you know, there seems to be kind of a little bit of a theme that goes around in each one of these passages, what they're singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You know, again, there's another one. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You know, again in chapter 5, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Skip down again. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and praise and glory. And then lastly, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. You know, I think, you know, all of us have have been in worship services, you know, where you, you know you got in sync with the voices of heaven. And it is indescribable, you know, what can come over a crowd of people when when those things those two things mesh and we just woo glory <laughs> so bottom line number 1 is our worship only works and you know the take these words lightly just the best way i could phrase it our, our worship only works or is effective when he is sovereign. A- any other thing, it just won't, won't go. So 
when we pursue his presence, you know, his sovereignty is there. It has to be. It has to be. So the second thing, practicing his kingdom. Practice his kingdom. So I want to jump to Matthew. Twenty-five. Let me get on the right page. And again, we're going to, we're going to read a little chunk here. Starting at verse thirty-one. When the Son of Man comes in His glory. Let me stop there again. I want again listen. You know, listen for these things that of the sovereignty of God. Listen for the mercy, listen for the justice, and, and, and hear it. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did, when, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to the eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, I, I saw... A distinction here. Let me get back to my notes before I get myself confused. You know, like I, like I said before, you know, as we as we read that, you know, and we we looked for you know the sovereignty and, and such. I I personally, and this is me, all right. This is just me. I get nervous when I start hearing the word justice kicked around. You know, because a lot of times I think of the 
Diego Montoya and the Princess Bride, you know, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. You, you know, I, 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 get, I get nervous because I, I, was, I was brought up, I was kind of discipled, and, or whatever you want to call it, as, as thinking, you know, as told, you don't, don't ever ask for justice because you just might get it. And it's like, oh, you know, mercy, I ask for that all you want. You know, but, so, I, you know, I, I get nervous, you know, and I, I looked at this passage, and, you know, because I, I, I know we've used, you know, the, the reaching out, the feeding of the poor and, and whatnot as a definition of justice. But as I read that, I went, that's more, to me, a definition of worship. As, as we did those things, Jesus saying, you were doing them to me. And then the justice came when he divided up, you know, the sheep and the goats. And then, you know, he's the one that doles out the justice. Have, have you ever sat on a jury? How fun is that? You know, I've I've been one time, and you know it it was the it was the dumbest little trial <laughs> that ever could be. You know this this boy. You know this this is years ago in Florida. You know they had these these wildlife management areas, right? You know that are managed either by the state or the federal government or whatever. And so this boy and his buddies were out one night with their trucks, and a fish and game war guy, warden, was happened to be out there, and they're out there driving their trucks around, and they did a donut in this intersection on the dirt road, and the guy wrote him a ticket, you know, for destruction of federal property, you know, and so I was sitting there furious that I've got to waste my day, you know, because A, this boy is a fool, and but his daddy was rich enough because this guy had two attorneys sitting there to get him off of this. I'm like, really? We're this is what we're. <laughs> and top it all off, I was the alternate, so I had to sit through the whole thing, and then couldn't vote. And the whole time I'm I'm looking at the prosecutor and I'm like, you you have no idea what you're even asking about a boy doing a donut in his truck. You uh, I was like, please, please end this now, you know. He got off. I stuck around because I was like, oh, I've sat around all day. I'm gonna hear how this comes out. And the boy got got, you know, everything dropped. Badoop badoop. I was like, well, <laughs> no, but there's plenty of sand. <laughs> so I, I, like I said, I, I get, I get a little uncomfortable. I get a little nervous, you know, when I, when I hear justice, but I do, I am totally comfortable with, with language, you know, that says you know, we are to alleviate the suffering caused by the injustice. I, I'm much better 
with that because I, I'm I'm like I I don't know how how am I I'm am justice I you know to me that's a that's a higher level thing you know than than just what we're doing you know I, I'm I'm called to help you and help you alleviate you know you were dealt an injustice you know how do we remedy that and, and go forth but you know and I know this sounds like semantics and that's why I say this is just me. This is just my my look at it, my understanding. You know, has, has anyone ever made a promise for someone else to keep? You know, how, how'd that work for you? Yeah, wives, husbands, that do, this doesn't matter, doesn't count. You, you know, but you know, or you know, somebody, you know, somebody else made that promise, and you're expected, you know, to keep it. Hey, I told so and so we'd come help him move today. You know, you did what? Well, good luck with that. You know, I, uh, here's a uh, Tim Keller. If he, you know, is a pastor, theologian, and he has he has a lot of good quotes because he can take he can take a lot of these harder subjects and you know, and kind of boil them down into something that's that's palatable. You know, instead of a you know an old crusty you know, Reformed theologian. But, you know, his quote is, you know, God God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. And, you know, that that's, that's again, that's one of those things, you know, we work out ahead of time. We get an understanding in our heart ahead of time, you know, so that when that trial comes, we're not trying to figure out why I'm sitting here like this. You know, we know we can trust God. We know he's, he's got our best intentions at heart. We know in the end we triumph. John chapter 5. And this is... This is a pretty good chunk here. So the synopsis up up to now, you know, Jesus came in to Jerusalem for for one of the feasts, and there was a pool called Bethesda, and there was, you know, they say, you know, this was kind of kind of like a hospital area, and when the angel, an angel would come and stir the waters, and the first person in you know, got healed. And another, if you want another Brantism, this was not, this one's free. You know, how many times do we pray like we're playing the lottery? You know, where we we throw our money down and hope we get the winning number, and we throw our prayer out there hoping, you know, we get God to pick our number. You know, and that that's not how it that's not how it works. You know, it's not it's not a lottery. But anyway, that's something else. That's a sorry. You know, Jesus Jesus asked him, Do you want to get well? You know, he said, I have I have no one to help me. You know, and Jesus says, you know, pick up your mat and walk. Get up. Once the man was cured, picked up his mat and walked. Now this caused quite the stir among 
you know, the religious folks of the day. You know, because I, I don't know about you, but uh, here I go doing something I, I don't like. I'm, I'm, I'm supposing I would not be one of the Pharisee people, you know, because, oh, we would never be like them. No. You know, but it's like they're, they're worried, you know, that he picked up his mat on the Sabbath. You know, not the fact that this dude can walk now. I mean, but but that's that's the blindness, you know, that, that we get. So starting in verse 16, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. And Jesus said to him, my father is always at work to this very day, and I, too, am working. I'm working here. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son of God gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself... So he has granted the Son to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. Now, remember, who's talking here? Jesus. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. That, that's, a, that's a powerful, powerful passage as well. Do we make promises sometimes on God's behalf? I, I've done it, you, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, we, we don't minister, we don't encourage, we don't give the, the scripture, you know, that, that pertains or, or whatnot. But... I, I I question myself if I do that, have I just have I just put myself on a level that I, I'm not supposed to be at? You know, have I made a promise for God that He 
He's like, I didn't, I didn't say I was going to do that. We, ha- we have to be careful, you know, of, of, of blanket promises. You know, again, I get nervous, you, you know, when, when we, when we, when we do that. And, you know, one of the, one of the things I appreciated about the vineyard, you know, when I, when I came into the vineyard was, you know, the prayer model, you know, of how, how, when we're ministering to people, you know, it, the prayer model tells you, you know, are we going to do that in the essentials? Yeah. So it'll, it'll tell you, you know, when, when you're praying, you know, stop, you know, there's, there's an interview process and then there's a process by which you stop and ask God what's going on here and let him direct you. You know, yes, no, maybe, next week, never. I mean, God has the answers, and it's we stop and we listen and we minister, not of our own understanding and will, but, but what he grants to us in, in that time. You know, and it's not, it's not a formula. It's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, it's a let's, let's think about this now. You know, Jesus, you know, this passage talks about that one guy getting healed. You know, I I don't know if he healed anybody else that day. You know, because clearly it was a place where there was a lot of sick people. You know, Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. And he, he obeys that. You know, I thought of the, you know, going to Acts 19, we won't turn there, but, you know, the seven sons of Sceva, you know, who are going to go out, you know, and whoop up some demons. You know, and they go in, and they're like, hey, I, you know, I rebuke you, you know, the, the one, I can't think of the exact quote now, but, you know, pretty much the, the you know, the God of the Paul and God of whoever, you know, rebukes you and whatever, and the demons jumped on them and whooped them good. Sent them home crying. You know, just like, you know, when, when my, my, I used to try to run with my older brother and his friends, and of course I was, ended up being the punching bag, and I'd come home, dad, they beat me up, you know, and of course my dad being the nurturing soul that he was, you were running your mouth again, weren't you? <laughs> ah, never mind, never mind. Dad. <laughs> you know, you know, but operating, operating in the understanding of how the kingdom works is important. You know, because you didn't want to be in the locker room, you know, or the press conference after that fight, you know, when they were asking the coach of the seven sons of Skew, well, what happened? Well, we failed to execute, and we didn't have a good game plan. And so, bottom line number two, you know, practicing, practicing his kingdom only works when he is sovereign. So, let me wrap up. You know, it, it's the, you know, in him we live, we move, we have our being. You know, outside of that, we're going to get into trouble. We, we operate outside of that, we are just asking for trouble. You know, our hurts, a lot of our hurts from churches 
have come from people operating outside of that. And it's, it's not fair. It's not right. You know, God is compassionate. He does heal. I mean, please don't, don't walk away from here, you know, you know, thinking that God just hangs us out to dry when we're in pain, which, you know, that is far, far, far from the truth. You know, in fact, you know, his mercy and his judgment can come because he has felt our pain. He has absorbed our pain. You know, he has absorbed everything. He has taken it all in. You know, and he doesn't ever reflect any of it back on us. You know, he says, you know, his judgments are just, you know, because he seeks to please the one who sent him. You know, we can't be, you know, a good judge, you know, because there is part of vengeance in our heart. You know, there is part of, you know, our sin taints our judgment. And, you know, we have to be very, very, very careful. You know, sometimes all we can do is stop and reposition ourselves. If you want to use the word repent there, that, that works too. <clears throat> you know, but if we're going down a road and we're a little too big for our britches, you know, all we can do is stop and reposition ourselves and come back under that authority. Come back to under that sovereignty. Because, and this may be a controversial statement as well, but it's my last one. Only the king brings the kingdom. Mic drop. <laughs> so, I don't know if we want to have just some another worship song or time of ministry. Josh, you can come.